Hi guys, welcome to the ninth episode of the Night Talk Room. I'm your chief host, Naitola, and our topic for today's episode is the EPL top four is Arsenal versus Manchester United. I don't actually see it like a versus race, <laughs> actually, but that's what we're going to be discussing in this episode. I think the season is already shaping up for we are 28 games into the season now with eight games with eight games to go aside from those with outstandings Arsenal are already sitting comfortably at the moment in the last ECL spots a point ahead of Manchester United and also with three games in hand so I think they are actually very very safe if they keep up with their current form and um, on European form ranking currently Arsenal ranks the first yes I think they are the best uh, they are the most informed European club currently so I think that's very good for them if they can continue their form to the end of the season I think the top four is actually secured for them so what does this mean for those that will be missing out Manchester United West Ham Tottenham is there still a chance for them to meet up with Arsenal in the top four is or are they out already we are going to see it does come up within eight games. Football is, football is very crazy. It does come up within eight games. But let's go to um, the discussion of the day. Manchester United, where did they get it all wrong in the race for the top four? I think, personally, in my opinion, I feel Manchester United have lost the race for top four right from the beginning of the season, even before they sacked Uli. The way they started the season actually does not look like it seems that it tends to be in the Champions League. It just they don't they don't look like a team that deserves to be in the Champions League places. They don't look like a team that deserves to be in the Champions League places. So I think that's where they've lost the top four is. And why is it that this is a score that I think <laughs> there used to be there used to be a scene amongst um, football fans that Pep Guardiola has a blank check at Manchester City. He has a blank check, he buys whoever he wants sign wherever he wants, spend any amount he wants. But I don't believe that all it takes to build what he has built as Mr. City. Because looking at it looking at it statistically, Manchester United also, any manager coming to Manchester United since Alex Ferguson left, all of them have all had blank checks. All of them, every single one of them have all had blank checks. The only slight difference might be that Manchester City listing more to Pebedola more than Manchester United board listens to their manager, but every of these managers have all been given the opportunity to spend. It was, I think, a year ago or two years ago that Edward said in a press conference that Manchester United are capable of being what no other club in the league can dream of doing in the transfer window. And that is true, it was not bluffing. When it comes to spending, Manchester United have the spending power to match any club in the league. People will be saying, um, rich owners or stores, maybe Qatar money, oil money. There's a difference between a rich owner and a rich football club. There's a difference between a rich owner and a rich football club. You can't because you're a rich owner, you can spend as much as you want in terms of transfer. No. The amount of money Manchester United can spend on transfer, if Man City dare spend half of it, they will be slapped with an FFP ban. Manchester United is a rich club. They are a rich organization. That's not to do about how rich the owners are. The club itself is rich. The club is rich, so the club can afford the revenue the club is pulling. It can afford to do 
anything in the market and they've actually been doing it they've spent a lot of money on players but still they did not get it right so i don't think it's about rank check or nothing now for a team that have spent that much on players why are they not getting it right these are the questions we are going to be discussing they are going to be talking about on this episode before good year let's talk about us now how they how they've managed to how they've managed to get into the um top four let me say the most informed football team currently in europe i'm not sure many people saw that coming actually i have a few people around who saw that coming right from the beginning of the season and they've been telling me that they actually believe asna can go ahead and be in the champions league places but i personally i did not believe i did not see it coming but something um i actually believed right from the uh, beginning of the season in fact i think in our first episode on this podcast i talked about how i'm not a big fan of Nikola Tata as a person but as a manager i actually read his managerial skills or oh, no not his managerial skills i read his coaching skills i don't read his managerial skills i don't i still don't believe he's a good man he's a good manager he doesn't have that management his team management charisma handling of players he doesn't still have it but tactical level as a coach yes he has the ideas and he's actually very very good with it talent id also player development yeah he has that he's very 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 good with it and i think that's how he's been able to transform this arsenal side and again you have to credit the board also for giving him time to do that not everyone will stick to you for like i think over two years now no no football football um, owners is this football clubs is this are not as patient and the fans also credits to credits to them also for sticking with him through the difficult period till what he's doing currently now many might be thinking is it just for now maybe we we'll still go back to school baseball i don't think so i think he has actually beat the identity already now 90 percent of the players play the way he wants them to play so he has beat that identity already or else the club fucks it up i don't see how it's going to go back to to being bad i don't see how it's going to go back to being bad and i think it's going to get better for from here for them as in the summer he has only said he needed a striker he needed, he needed a striker in the team he needs um something like a complete forward or let me say a deep line a deep line forward he needs a striker in the mood of currently what lacazette is doing for them but lacazette is aged already let me say he's living his prime he has he has reached his peak and he's living his prime so lacazette is not reliable on long term in short it's not reliable on a consistent basis so he needs a striker in that in that mode and good, good, the good news is that they might have actually settled for their prime targets in the summer unlike what they've been going through in the past windows where the strikers they want don't want them this is actually not the case in this time around this time around they've settled for atletico madrid's joao felix atletico madrid spends 126 million euros in bringing joao felix from benfica i think three years ago yeah how much would they want to pass how much would they want to collect now to pass weeks with him we can't see yet but they're open to letting him go because the player wants the move he wants to come to us now so the player wants the move regardless of if they make top four or not the player wants to come to us now and us now wants him to decide that is the one they want so let's go madrid are currently meeting with the agents of um benfica striker also darwin Nunes. they are currently meeting with his agency they want to sign him as your first replacement the price benfica will set for darwin Nunes with determine 
how much Atletico Madrid will set for Joao Felix. I don't expect it to be too much for us now. I think it will be around 70 to 80 million. Darwinez will cost above 60 million. That's me being modest, in my opinion, being modest. Befica is a club that likes to that likes to play in clubs to overpay for their players also. So they are going to want to slap every price tag. But in my opinion, I feel it's worth around 60 to 70 million. And it's the one Atletico Madrid wants to replace Joao Felix. But there's a comma there. There's a comma there. Manchester United also have Downunes as their prime target for centre forward this summer. Downunes agents were in UK to speak with Manchester United two weeks ago, but they were not able to get any retox as the agency were not okay with what Manchester United are saying as they don't have manager yet, so they are not even sure. What if your next manager does not even want the player? Manchester United said if your next manager approves it, they are going to go, they are going to come for him. But the, the player can't wait. The player wants to decide his future before the month's end. He wants to decide where he's going to be going in the next week or two. We are going to come back to that. But for now, Arsenal's prime target for the at um, for the centre forward is Joao Felix. They want him, he wants them. One way or the other, the two will figure out a replacement and they will sell Joao Felix. But the price, the replacement will cost them will be out, will make them determine how much they want to sell Joao Felix. So we don't know the price for Joao Felix now. And I've been seeing reports linking as now also to um, Lucas Paqueta, Leon. I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure Leon, um, Leon are willing to pass with, with uh, Paqueta now. He has a contract on 2025. So I'm not sure they want to pass with, with him now. But this is football. Even though you have a contract to 2030, it's about who is ready to pay the money and if the player is willing to move. Yeah. So, if Arsenal wants him and they are willing to pay what Leon value him as, he can move also. They need, they currently need a left-footed attacking midfielder or probably someone that can play in the wide areas the way Mares plays for uh, Manchester City. He wants someone who can hold the weights also. So, and Lucas Paqueta actually fits, he fits that description properly. But currently, Arsenal getting the UEFA um, Champions League spots, we actually put them in a better negotiation, negotiating um, um, position for this summer, and I can see them going all the way to reaching to ending the season in that top four, top four spot. I think they are on for, uh, forty-eight points currently, and Chelsea are on fifty-three points. In fact, Chelsea is even within their reach, so they can even still end up as third. If they should win their games in hand, I think they will be above Chelsea also. So Chelsea is still within their reach. So I think they are in a very, very comfortable situation currently in regards to the Tom Forest. But no one should be no one should feel comfortable. This is football. Anything can happen. Now takes us to the clubs that might be missing out on the top four is Manchester United, West Ham, Tottenham. Tottenham, it's it's been bad since they got the manager appointments. For this last summer, wrong by appointing by appointing the former Wolves manager. I think that was where they got it wrong. That manager is not manager caught for such a job, and it left them in uh, in the mess of a situation before they went for Conte. Now, when Manchester United needed the manager, while they were about to sack Oregon Solskjaer, I was of the opinion that Conte is not the right one for Manchester United. I was surprised when Tottenham stepped in for him because if he's not the right man for Manchester United, then surely he's not the right man for Tottenham. 
looking at the caliber of players they have Kunti doesn't work with such players they have to be an overall for him to be able to work and i'm not sure that's something Tottenham wants to go through Tottenham wants to build a squad for the future Patricia wants to build a squad for the future for um, for Tottenham but let's see how it goes by summer let's see if Conte will be able to work with Tottenham's plans or Tottenham will have to change their own plans for him or they will have to sack him but currently I'm not sure the mess of missing out on top four is if they eventually do it's not on Conte yes it's not on Conte it's definitely on the club getting the first appointment wrong it's not on Conte that's not on Conte then on West Ham everyone knew they were just running ahead of themselves they were just running ahead of that they don't have they don't have resources to be in Champions League places in EPL. No, they don't have it. It will be. I don't know how the other clubs' competition will feel if Tottenham should. <laughs> That's why it's competition. Anyone can finish anywhere. Chester once won the league, so anyone can finish anywhere. But currently, with the squad they have, they still don't have the right resources to finish in the top four places. Manchester United. Manchester United. <laughs> A very terrible mess going on in Ultraford. Very terrible, terrible mess. Uh, let's go. We're going to continue. We're going to continue. <laughs> Let me take a short break, please. Uh, so, guys, welcome back. Um, now we're going to the next one Manchester United. Have they missed out of the top four yet? In my opinion, I would say yes because they are currently not playing well. So I don't see how they are going to be able to get maximum points from the remaining eight games of the season. They are not currently playing well. So yes, I would say they've missed out already. But miraculously, can they still get it? That will depend on either of Arsenal or Chelsea really, really messing up. They have very good advantage they they have currently over Manchester United, and I think the game at the weekend against Tottenham also is going to is going to tell it lots. If Tottenham wins, they go above them, and that drops them to sit on the table. So I think that's pretty pretty much end of end of top four is for them. How have they gone this down? How have they gone far this down? They finished second last season in Manchester City. Very, a very very good run very very good season now for a club that's actually be on that part you finish second what you should be hoping to do is try to improve your team so you can gain more points and at least try and challenge for first in the coming season <laughs> but how did they manage to mess that up how <laughs> it's actually funny now last season in my own opinion, I did not see them like a club that had issues with scoring of goals. No, they, they did not. They did not have issues with scoring of goals. They did not have issues with scoring of goals. There was no established goal scorer, but there's there's no issue with scoring goals. The score goals. The issue they had was controlling games and lapses when it comes to defending transitions, op- defending opponent's transitions. And when you can't control a game. You tend to get transitions every now and then. 
if you can't control the game if every time you get the ball you lose it back immediately then surely the opponent will transit against you that's counter against counter attack so laps is doing transition and inability to control the game was they they were having issues last season where they what made them drop most points now if for a club that's properly run this should be the issue they should be talking about or they should be solving during last summer the prep target last summer was Jaden Sancho from Dortmund for the right swing. He is a natural winger. He can help old wits, which will increase your ch- ch- the team's chances of controlling games. Yes, for instance, the way um, Real Mares does at Real Mares does at Manchester City, he stays wide, help old the wits. If if you have a player wide, that will scare the opponents. If the opponents try to stretch wide also, they will lose their compactness, which means multiple runners can enter their box and score. And if they try to remain compact, it will actually help you to keep the ball because they will be scared of coming to take the ball away from the white men. So that was the reason why the team felt in there to go for Jadon Sancho last summer. That was a good buy. Now, for a team that is getting Jadon Sancho, they brought in Rafael Varane also to sweep to solve the defensive issues, then Cristiano Ronaldo. That team actually is a team that don't want to be second anymore. They want to go and challenge for first. For you to get such signings, in these are very very good players. They are considered world class players. Players, for you to add them to a squad that finished second, you are supposed to go and challenge for the first position. But right now, they are battling. For top six, not even top four anymore to me. I feel they're battling for top six. So where did they get it all wrong? For Oligona Sosja, I feel he is not, he's not a coach, he is the manager, the first team coach, or let me say, yeah, the first team coach, the person who handled the first um, the coaching drills was Kara McKenna and Michael Carrick. I feel the both of them actually have a style that enables players with low qualities to just get through games like a very odd style way okay this player is not good but at least he can do this he can he can chase the ball like, hey, let's use them to chase the ball passion stops let's use them to chase the ball and when we get the ball we put it on the fast break for our fast attackers to fit on i think it enables them to get away with a lot of with a lot of let criticisms or probably reality making they make since the players are scoring goals doing these things it makes people see them like good players also the club sees them like good players but currently now there's a system in place the players are starting to show that they're actually not as good as that system have showed them to be And um, another side effect also about this particular style of coaching is that even technically good players, when they come into this this idea of coaching, it actually makes them lose their abilities, their real football abilities. For instance, I'll make a prime example of Bruno Fernandes. Before Manchester United signed Fernandes, I've been watching him personally for like two years prior to inside Manchester United. I never actually believed. He will ever be a Manchester player. I did not even think Manchester was. I did not have his mind that Manchester was scouting him. 
I just happened to go through. I've forgotten my first ad of him, and I happened to watch a game of him, and I really loved the way he was playing. And again, they start to impressive for a central midfielder. They start to be very, very impressive. So I started watching him, and I was keeping tabs of clubs that I really wanted to sign him. Then I knew of Atletico Madrid, then Tottenham also wanted to get him. Then before Mr. United swooped in, swooped in on him. Fernandez was a player that actually could play as an eight, an advanced playmaker, box to box, even in many situations, and even as a six. He can play as a deep line playmaker also in a situation where Sporting wants to throw more bodies forward. He actually do play as a six for them, play as an eight for them. Sporting then don't play with a ten. They play a four three three. So you see that one of the eights or the six. That's how he plays for them. So a player who plays like this is actually for, for you to thrive in these positions, you have to have the ability to be able to hold the ball and scan. Hold the ball and scan. Scan your passes, scan your movements. Most of the goals he scored were from late runs into the box from the central midfield, making late runs into the box. That's for his um, short range goals. Why 60% or let me say 40 to 50% of his goals were from set pieces, penalties, free kicks, and long range shots. So basically, he was not the in box type of footballer. He was not the footballer who lives inside the box at Sporting. That was not who he was. But I guess Manchester United just they saw the stats. I'm not even sure they even scout players anymore these days because it's so, actually surprising. They saw the stat that okay, this guy has a lot of goals and assists. Let's bring him to start scoring for us. Then when they brought him, instead of putting him in his position, which is eight or six, they put him inside the box. Go and play as a triple sighter. That was a ten of a first nine. Now this player been having to go with this system or rhyme with this system have cost him his real football abilities in the sense that he doesn't even know how to hold the ball anymore. Now, if you watch, if you watch Fernandez now, it's very sad. Before the ball gets to him, he's already thinking of kicking it away from him, from himself. They will, call, they will say it's one-touch football. No, that's not football. As a footballer, you're supposed to be able to calm the ball, keep possession and think. You don't just, before the ball gets to you, before the ball gets to you, you kick it away, kick it into space. Open for a miraculous teammate to chase it. No, that's not how to play football. And that's not how Fernandez plays football before comes Manchester United. But due to what due to this is what he feels Manchester United wants from him, started doing it and that has become part of him. Same goes with Alex Telex. Telex was a wing back at Porto. He do make overlapping runs. Very technically good at with his crosses, set pieces also. He do make overlapping runs. But now he knew Manchester United need him for those crosses. He knew that was the reason why that's what he's been hyped for. When Manchester United got him, they got Cavani. They wanted to be putting ball crosses into the box. That's why they got him. So now it's not even bothered about his own game style again. All he wants to know is cross. Even from his own box, he crosses. He doesn't even tend to make overlapping runs, connect with his players. He wants to stuff like that. All he wants to do is cross. Once the ball gets to him from any, even though inside this box, even from this goalkeeper's position, he's going to cross. So I feel that style affected every single one of them. That is the ones that had football abilities, one amongst them. Only a few of them currently still have their decision making and their football IQ intact. And the few I can point to, let me say, Jerome Sancho, Popoba, and Luke Aside that, the rest of them actually currently now have no football IQ. Every single one of them is, is, is empty, no one. 
then we'll go again to the January January window. It's, it was unfortunate. Well, it is it's unfortunate what happened with missing Greenwood. Probably that's what every one of them will use as an excuse in the sanitary board. But personally, aside from missing Greenwood, while at matter said they wanted to leave, it was very, very obvious that the team cannot rely on Cavani and Cristiano Ronaldo as they are only center forward options till the end of the season. Whoever made that decision in the club actually is not supposed to keep his job. It's not possible. 37, 35 years old as a main center forward till the end of the season and he wants to make top four. No, no, you can't you can't achieve that. It's not possible. Now they are already they're already repeating the fruits of that already. So a lot of wrong decisions have been made. Rafragnik systematically or let me say his tactical ideas are they helping also. Actually it's not been great. The tactical ideas have not been great. But you can't, a man that has been in management only two years in the past ten years. <laughs> I'm not sure you could expect much much than that from him. But the ideas he has put forward, it's enough for the players to actually give results if they are actually up to it, if they are good. But players obviously correctly now, they are not good. So now, where does this leave us in the plans for the summer? Where does this leave us the plans for the summer? If they don't make top four, what happens to their summer plans? If they make top four, what happens to their summer plans? I'm coming up right back. Yeah, welcome back. So now, not getting anyone is in January to me is not wise from a standard at all. It's not wise. People are saying, "What did the new manager don't like who they are bringing in?" New manager is coming this summer. In fact, you will put the new manager in a tough situation if you actually don't salvage this season you have already. And that's why they have. You should have a long-term planning, a long-term planning, and a short-term fixations. Like for instance, now the player, most of the players as um, Barcelona brought in in January, they don't have long-term plans for them. E.g., Aubameyang, even Adama Traore, they don't have long-term plans for them. To be sincere, even Ferran Torres, it's not in the, it's not the long-term plans of Barcelona. These players are all short-term fixes. They will be replaced, and they were all done smartly. This. A close okay if you meet if you meet so so, so so demands then you'll be signed permanently if you don't then you will leave your contract terminated this will even put them in a, in a position where they have to perform so as to get signed permanently and there were some of these shoot signings that Mr. United could have made in January for instance Bubaka Kamara for the deep line playmaking position currently they don't have anyone there Mark Tomini Fred they are both not fit for that role Masik, who is the only one that actually has the football ability to play the role, can't even play 15 minutes successfully. After 15 minutes, his legs are dead. So there's no good savage season if you don't straighten your squad right from January. And Kamara is a kid that actually looks to have a potential ceiling that can take him to world-class status. So these are the you ex- as as a football club you exploit talents 
that's how it's been done in football all these days. Manchester United does not understand this thing again because they don't run a football club there. They run a commercial organization. They want to buy players that will sell trains, sell shirts. If this player won't sell shirts, if he won't sell trains, they are not signing. That's what's put them in this current mess of situation they are. Now, is there a way out of this situation? I personally, I don't have hope of a way out for them currently. And it is normal. I know many Manchester United fans are sad that the club is going through this. It's normal for them to be sad. Yes, it's very, very normal for you to be sad, to be honest. I'm not going to give any of you hope on this podcast. No, no, no. No hope, to be honest. Let's go to the long-term plans. The team will look to appoint a permanent manager this month. Yeah, this month. I'm very, very stressed about that one. That one is the source information. They are looking to appoint a permanent manager this month. Why? Okay, firstly, don't get excited. The manager will not start work this month. The manager will be decided on, appointed this month to resume job in the summer that's once the season ends the job resume once the season ends so why are they signing the manager now why are they appointing manager now the situation is the big targets in the market are moving already they are not waiting the summer the big targets already wants to move now Ellen Alan Darwin Nunes these players wants to move now they're not waiting the summer and Manchester United can't approve this target without a permanent manager. Permanent manager also approve this target and the target has to know is the permanent manager also and decide that okay I want to come and play for him. So they can't go for this target now until they appoint a permanent manager. That's why it is very essential that they appoint someone now. And also contract talks have been on hold for every player in Manchester United until the new manager comes in. No one is being offered contracts currently, no renewal talks, and no one is being ruled out of new season once the manager comes. First of all, let me start from let me start from um, the ones that went on loan in January. I think uh, Ahmad first. Let's start with Ahmad. It's very very sad that Ahmad is still not getting enough minutes in Rangers. That's very sad. If you can't get enough minutes in Rangers, then then the chances of you getting minutes in Manchester United is low. So am I seeing the future for Amad in Manchester United? Yes, I still see. I still see a future for him. One, not every um, EPL is a league that actually requires a high level of athleticism. No matter the position you are playing, it requires a high level of athleticism. But there's a way athleticism in footballers have been exploited. While the receiver was at Monaco, he doesn't he was not the type of finger that actually has the athleticism that people will think it is required to survive in EPL. No, it's not kind of a winger, it's a winger that has flair, not athleticism. It depends solely on his flair. But look at what Cadilla has done to him. Actually, he's the footballer currently in EPL that has covered most distance this season. Yeah, so there's a way managers exploit athleticism in players. So I feel if a manager like Eric Ten Ang of Ajax should come to Manchester United, I feel he can actually exploit Ahmad's athleticism. I feel it's an opinion. 
I'm not sure with I'm not sure if Manchester United even still have him in their future plans. This is just my opinion on him. I won't rule him out of Manchester United future plans. But currently, currently with what is happening with him, I don't I don't see him in the future plans for Manchester United. I don't see him. Then to the next name, Donny Van de Beek. Um I'm I don't no I'm not I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan, but as a person, yes, I like Van de Beek as a person. I wish it is not this way for him. But the kind of player is succeeding in EPL is actually slim. The chance of him succeeding in EPL is actually slim. One, it's not just only athleticism. He doesn't have the tactical awareness that requires to play in EPL. He doesn't have it. If he wants to depend solely on his IQ and his technicality, and that's, that won't work. He will be exploited. This is the Premier League, you'll be exploited. So I was telling people while um, Ole was at Manchester United, they kept blaming Ole for benching him. I was telling people, I don't see Ole as the reason why Van Beek is on the bench. I feel Van Beek himself is not good enough for the league. Not he's not good enough as a player, but he's not the player to cut it in the league. Ragni came also, different coach, different idea, same thing. Now in Everton, currently, to be honest, he's not performing at all. And now he's been given a chance and he's not performing. He's been exploited. Probably now, anytime he plays, it's just as, as if everything is playing minus one in his position. His, posi- his space has been exploited constantly because he doesn't feel the need to hold his position. He wants to play, make him is eager to dictate the play. In EPL, you have to sacrifice this. Taste. You have to sacrifice it. You don't have to be. Unless your manager was to, let me say, Sacrifice some other spots for you, probably play well, inverted wing back, stuff like that. But if that's not the case, you have to be tactically aware, you have to hold your position in EPL. You can't be an eager, over eager player in EPL, no, you won't succeed. So, does Donny have a future in Manchester United? This depends on the manager coming in. Any of the managers can still decide to ship, ship him out. He succeeds with Enkteag in Ayas, doesn't mean Enkteag will think he will succeed with him in Manchester United. No. He must decide to ship him out and bring in a more tactically, uh, tactically astute midfielder. Probably um, SMS as Sajek Milokovic Savage or some, someone in that mode. And if Pogba renews his contract, contract also, definitely Dooney will be up for sale. Now, another one that went on loan in January, Anthony Matia. Sevilla will not be signing Matia permanently because mainly because of his wage demands. They can't afford 250,000 euros per week. They won't be signing him permanently and they feel what he has given, what he has shown, his performances that he has shown since he's joined them does not want them committing to such a deal. So we will come back to Manchester United. He still wants to leave Manchester United fully in the summer, but he's going to wait for the next manager's decision first. If he's going to be in use or not, that's Will decide his future in the summer. So now let's take us to the managerial search. As I said earlier, that appointment will be made this month. Who will be signed? Who will not be signed? Who are the targets being considered? Now, everything I'm going to be saying from now <laughs> till I say stop are all sorts of information properly arranged analyzed by myself they are also the information properly arranged and analyzed by myself so now let's start on the managerial situation Mr. United. the footballing structure of my United, that's the board of directors in charge of the footballing structure right from 
starting from the technical scouts up to the chief scouts the chief scouts who's, who's the chief scout again is this Nikos? Nikos? i think it's Nikos. i think Nikos is the chief of scouts that's the head of the scouting department to Darren Fletcher to the director of football and board of directors they've all agreed on a short list of managers there were three names in that short list that i'm aware of there are other names also that we are not aware of because it's not just three there are like up to six or seven lists of prime of of targets they narrowed out their targets but the three names we are aware of were Mauricio Pochettino of Paris Saint-Germain, Eric Tehang of Ajax, and Luis Enrique of Spain. And according to source information, Enrique has been ruled out due to language barrier. The club feels whoever is coming in should have a deep understanding of English. So now this leaves us with the two names that have already been shown to the media that we are where they are going for. Marshall Pochettino and Eric Tag. The people, the football people in the club agree that Pochettino is their prime target for the job. He's the one they want for the job. He's the one they believe can do the job. That's Pochettino. They believe he can deliver the acquired results right from next season. Why? Rafragnik and his team agree. They agree on Pochettino also, and they also feel Eric Tag is equally up to the task. If given enough time, at least three years, to rebuild the squad, Rafragnik has, has advised the board to give the next manager coming three years of rebuild. At least the contract must be at least three years without sack. No matter what happens, it must not be sacked within the next three years, and the squad must be totally overhauled at the next manager's request. That's in the summer. Manchester United fans don't be surprised in the summer. Up to 10 players might leave Manchester United in the summer. Yeah, up to 10 players. That's in the advice of Rafragnik and his team, which the board has agreed with because that's actually a job that Fletcher has been doing with him in the dugout since he got here. Fletcher has been tasked with evaluating the players alongside Ragnik, and they've all argued that almost 80% of the players currently in the first team are not cut out not just from Manchester United they are not cut out for Premier League quality yes that has been the agreement of them that's what the reflection has reported to the board that almost 90 percent of these players are not cut out for Premier League quality not just Manchester United quality so there will be total overall in the summer and any manager coming you have at least three years to overhaul the squad so now they all agree that Pochettino is their prime target is the one they want for the job First contact with Pochettino has led to, a, let me say, a roadblock. Leonardo has insisted that Pochettino will be PSG manager next season. He's not letting Pochettino go. And the way things stand, Pochettino won't leave PSG unless he's sacked. So if Pochettino is not being sacked, Pochettino won't get him because PSG are not letting him go. And Manchester United don't have the luxury of time to wait this summer and see if they get it, it will be sacked or not or stuff like that. They have to get their manager now. So which have made them set for their nearest alternate, Eric Tehag. 
official contacts were made with his agency last week as agency had made them known that yes he is open to the job they asked about his english also he's actually good at speaking english but the agency have been presented away that he had been taking english classes also to solidify his english language over the past two three months so yes ekteang wants the job and Manchester united might settle for him depending on the former quarter they've been making with him this month i have a date but i'll not be telling you the date <laughs> it's, a, it's a surprise it's a surprise package the date is a surprise package i'll not be telling you the date i have a date but i'm meeting with eric Tag personally they're going to maintain they're going to get in touch with him personally this month for them to hear what um his proposal what he wants if he gets the job so whatever he presents to the um, board of directors will be what they will use to determine if they should hire him or not and yes ajax have given the go ahead from standard to talk with him to formalize contact with him this month that's the reason why they are going to him obviously so they've started a little bit later this month for the contact after the contact we are going to have more plans on if he's going to be the next manager or they are still having to or they will still have to negotiate with someone else but currently Pochettino is very hard to get PSG won't let him go Leonardo won't let him go even though he's a prime target I'm excited that settling for the alternative which is Erin Ten Hag he has a very cheap release cross for top European clubs and Ajax are willing to let him take that big step in the summer now um target Manchester United in the summer as I said earlier there's going to be an overall they're going to be releasing a lot a lot of players which are the players that are going to come in we can't see now until the manager is appointed but the club have a long-term planning already that has been going on regardless of manager coming in or not and the club has agreed regardless of manager coming in or not that they want two forwards a young striker and a winger they want a defensive midfielder and a center back in the summer what targets for these positions um i have updates on few on very few i have this on very few nothing is clear yet until the manager comes in but for the striker position the prime target is darwin nunes yes darwin is the prime target for the striker position they want they want him they've been scouting him for a while but depending on the manager they get i've been hearing that pochettino would prefer to bring um hurricane from Tottenham. Kane might be expensive so that might make them choose another alternate aside from Kane so we don't know yet but Darwinus is the one that the board are looking at alternates like Jonathan David, Christian Okoko has been discussed also and Victor Simen from Napoli has been discussed also but currently now Darwinus is the prime target and for the other forward position the winger Antonin of Ajax, they've been watching him for a while now. He's the prime target in that position. Yes, he's the one I know as prime target in that position. I don't know any other name currently, but that's the only name currently for that for that position. Antony of the Brazilian winger of Ajax. For central defensive midfield position, there are a lot of names starting around in the media, so I can't pinpoint one. The next manager will choose a name. While for the center back, Rafragnik wants Antonio Rudiger from Chelsea. Antonio Rudiger has rejected the last contract offer from Chelsea. He wants them to up the offer. But currently now, Chelsea have stopped all contract negotiation with players. Their contracts are ending because 
of the takeover bid that they are expecting from that they are expecting the club is being put up for sale so the new owners might have a new idea so currently contract talks have been kept on hold and Manchester United have been in touch with Arturo Rodriguez's agency. They are ready to offer him the amount he wants. But it's left to be seen if he's going to take the option to join another Premier League club or move overseas or sign a new contract with Chelsea. It's yet to be known. But Manchester United's um, alternative to Antonio Rodriguez is Barcelona's 23 years old defender, old green defender, Ronald Araujo. Araujo is 100% committed to Barcelona. Yes, he wants to sign a new contract. But he has made it known to Barcelona that it has to be in his stems. And quite Barcelona are not matching those stems. They are far away from those stems. They are not matching those stems. Uh, but if Barcelona match the terms of Araujo, I feel they can. Barcelona, they are looking to pull up so much funds currently from sponsorship deals and CVC deal in the next few weeks. If they should do that, if the fee Araujo is what what is asking for. I feel they can give him, and if they give him, that will make Manchester United to have to look for another centre for another centre back. But if Barcelona did not give him what he has, he currently his agency are okay with what Manchester United are offering. There's a verbal agreement with Manchester United over the wages. So if Barcelona did not give him what he wants, there will be negotiation for his transfer in the summer to Manchester United. Yes, that I can confirm also. That's the source of information also. I think, yeah. Um, is there more? Is there more? Is there more? Is there more? No, I'm not sure there's more. So stop. That's all on source information on the plans for Senated in the summer. It's been a mess um, since Falcons I think it's almost 10 years now. Yes, I think it should be 10 years. The club still hasn't gotten, gotten itself together. That's, that's, that's not good. And now, according to Afragnik, he said the club would need under three years for a rebuild if they are going to go back to being one of the top clubs in Europe, which, which they've fallen off from already. So that means they're looking to 13 years after Alex Fagusi. Whose fault? <laughs> we won't be discussing that in this episode. Um, I think our first episode was Manchester United Rebuild. Rebuilding the Rebuild. I think we are going to have a part two to that episode coming up very soon, in which I'm going to call some Manchester United fans to come in and we we'll discuss on whose fault is this that a 10 years rebuild still haven't gotten them anywhere close to being one of the big clubs in europe again so i think and this is where i'm good we are going to have to stop for this episode thank you so much for listening thank you so much for joining us on this one i really really appreciate it and see you on the next episode for the next episode i have very, something very 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 special but i'm not <laughs> not telling you guys see you guys thank you very much i remain nights all your chief host for the nights talk room